Good morning. I just love Luke's audacity. Luke is, as you probably remember, the gospel writer who identifies most self-consciously as a historian. Of course, not a 21st century historian that we are accustomed to, but a first century one. For this reason, Luke writes a formal introduction to his gospel, the only one of the four gospel writers who does. Being a historian also explains Luke's concern with naming various political leaders on the scene in today's scripture reading. As a historian, Luke wants to anchor the events he describes in the larger political and historical scene of the world. And that's where his audacity comes in. Because most other historians would probably think Luke is misguided in his focus. Let's think about what Luke chooses to emphasize in his story this morning. John the Baptist. John the Baptist is an itinerant preacher doing his ministry out in the wilderness. In the wilderness, hello? The wilderness is called that for a reason. It's a place where nobody typically goes or spends an extended period of time, at least not by choice. So the event Luke describes would hardly be considered a historical event at all, especially to other historians. So what is John the Baptist doing amidst Luke's list of who's who in ancient Palestine? John would be considered a nobody by all other historical accounts, someone who just happens to be the one to whom the word of the Lord came. John, you remember him, the bug-eating wild man of the desert? But the word of God came to John, not the emperor, not the governor, or various rulers, or the high priests of the day that Luke mentions previously, but John strange and wild John the Baptist. God chose a nobody to prepare the way for Jesus to come amongst us. These strange facts are important to note and help us see a pattern that regularly occurs in the Bible. God regularly chooses people the world typically sees as insignificant or marginalized and through these nobodies marvelous things happen. For example, a scrawny shepherd boy David becomes king of Israel. A slave baby is put in the river. Moses, the son of a slave, becomes the son of Pharaoh and eventually leads his people out of bondage. Mary, the unwed mom and teenager, is chosen to be mother of Jesus. Remember, they were considering stoning her for infidelity. And the shepherds at the bottom of the economic and social ladder serve as the audience for none other than the heavenly choir. And again, John the Baptist, the locust and honey eater, who wears camel hair and lives in the wilderness. Again and again, God chooses people in the world that can easily be dismissed as less fit to participate in God's world-changing world-saving activity. Which gets me thinking, 
I, sus I suspect there are any number of us who feel that we don't hold any particularly important position that would warrant being included on anyone's who's who list. I bet these same folk would find it preposterous that God may be eager to use them to do wonderful things. So my text, my, <laughs> my next thought is, how are we preparing ourselves to hear who will lead us to know God's love and presence right now and build up hope for the future? There are plenty of people already among us who may seem the least likely to be the voice of God calling out in our wilderness to wake up. Yet they are here. Are we prepared to listen? Are we prepared to open our hearts, to toss out our preconceived notions that these seemingly unlikely folks have gifts and talents to offer that we may not possess ourselves? God is eager to use our talents and abilities and gifts to change the world. One small gift at a time can change everything. And one small gift isn't so small when it is received. To prepare ourselves for what God is doing, we have to let go of things that hold us back. We have to let go of assumptions of what the right or ideal leadership characteristics may look like. We have to let go that the right people to lead look a certain way and talk a certain way and even act a certain way in order to truly prepare ourselves for what God is calling us to this day. If we truly want to prepare for the coming of the Christ child this year, if we want to fully take in this time of Advent, we have got to let go of a bunch of preconceived notions about what we think God and the church and the leadership of the church look and sound like. If we work on preparing ourselves to be open we might just be amazed at what we, we can see God doing in the world right now. Let me ask you a few questions to consider this Advent. What would it look like if you arrived at your job or walked into your home and saw your family prepared with the idea that God is known by your actions? What if, when we look at ourselves, we started with the concept that God is embodied in us and that God is at work through our relationships, our jobs, our family, and our civic life? Which further means that when we see others, that God is at work through them as well. Would it make this world more trustworthy and good to you if you trusted and knew these things were true? Would knowing these things cause you to experience a greater sense of possibility and peace? I gotta say that I'm more than ready to open my eyes wider to that. I'm completely embracing those ideals because frankly, if you don't, then what you see around you is judgment sarcasm, questionable motives, fear, and a lot of distrust. 
This is what I want us to do to prepare to embrace the world around us through this very Christian understanding. I want us to work on our first response in this Advent season to see our neighbors through God's eyes, to offer a grace-filled benefit of the doubt. Start with the fact that God don't make no junk. When you meet someone, see them as precious and valuable and filled with gifts and talents only they possess. Seek to see them as God sees them, amazing and capable, and hold faith in their willingness to do their best. And offer your willingness to give grace like God does when we make mistakes and trip up. I would like each of you to take a moment this morning to think about a time someone at first you thought unlikely did something that you now realize God was using to help care for this world. I think of Terry, who lived in the apartment building next door to the parsonage at my church in Cleveland. Terry had substance abuse issues. Terry also had an extreme love for dogs and lamented no longer being able to have one. Terry and I started talking because he was rather taken with our dog, Maxine. He saw me take her out all the time and occasionally for a a walk around the block. One day, Terry said to me, You know, Pastor, I'm happy to take Maxine for a walk pretty much any afternoon. I'm around and it seems like you're busy and might appreciate that. The first time he said it, I politely said, sure, that sounds good, Terry, not really imagining it would ever happen. He continued to say hello to her and finally, the third time he offered, it was clear this offer wasn't going away. I said, okay, do you wanna wanna take her now? Terry did. And as I watched Maxine exuberantly drag Terry down the sidewalk, and as they both began to run together, I thought, I don't know if either one of them are in a safe situation at this moment. And I said a prayer. Maxine and Terry came back after about 30 minutes, both visibly tired and happy. Neither noticed I had been biting my nails the whole time. Maxine's name quickly became my baby. Terry would ask each time he saw me without Maxine, where's my baby? And a routine began. A couple times a week, Terry took Maxine for a walk, and each time I said a prayer because I didn't know if I'd see them back in 10 minutes or an hour. It turns out those who knew Terry in the neighborhood questioned that anyone would let him walk their dog and assumed that he had stolen her. And I was asked if it was true a couple of times. And the McDonald's workers who had kicked Terry out of their restaurant previously came to know him as someone who walked through the walked through the drive-through with Maxine to make sure she had water on hot days. 
No, you don't have to serve me. I'm just here for water for Maxine. I could tell you many a story of their adventures, at least the ones I heard about. But what I really want to leave you with is the change in Terry and the change in Maxine. Terry needed a dog in his life and someone to trust him again. And Maxine truly needed a special friend she could go out and be social with because she was a social girl by nature. I still hear from Terry to this day, not because I was the pastor next door, but because I trusted him with our dog when he knew most believed him to be untrustworthy. I won't say it was easy, but I will never regret it. And I know without a doubt God was in their relationship. It was my job to see the situation through God's eyes. And one small gift isn't so small when it is received. This is the kind of faith history story I believe Luke might have also included in his gospel of the good news Jesus Christ came to offer. So I ask you today to reflect on your stories. Who has inspired you to remember that God is active and changing the world for good? I think in some ways we are all called to be audacious historians in the pattern of the writer of Luke. His history of what seemingly was a nothing nobody doing what he did becomes part of the greatest story ever told. In remembering and sharing our stories, we too are participating in the greatest story ever told. We too are preparing the way for the Lord by continuing the miraculous history of God at work. Perhaps if Luke were writing now, it would say, in the 21st year of the 21st century, when Joe Biden was president of the United States and Chris Sununu was governor of New Hampshire and, and John Dorhauer was the general minister of the United Church of Christ, the word of the Lord came to the Canterbury United Community Church. You see, history, that is God's history, is happening now. Are we prepared to have the word of the Lord come unto us? Are we preparing the way for the coming of Christ so that all will know the love of God through hope, peace, joy, and justice on this earth? Let us open our hearts and let go and let God loose. And that will make that will help to usher forth the peace that passes understanding in our world through Christ present 
spirit in our history. Will you pray with me? God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach to us, to turn ourselves around and prepare the way for the coming of your Son, give us willing ears to hear their message and your grace to forsake our short-sightedness of one another, that we may greet with joy and peace the coming of your Son. Amen.